You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. both recovering from worship and and uh, a tiny bit exhausted from a whole lot of moving and running and <clears throat> I made a I made a poor scheduling error or poor scheduling decision when I had about 1700 pounds of flooring delivered the same day we were moving and uh, had not thought it through and didn't ask for help because I could have got it and so, uh, <laughs> so don't do that <laughs> when you're packing that downstairs into the basement. <laughs> and then uh, it was good, and uh, I'm glad it's over. So, if I don't seem a- as energetic today, I say that, but you know that that's probably not bound to happen. <laughs> it just may take me a, a minute to get get loose, since I wasn't doing jumping jacks up here or anything to stretching you know the older you get the more you got to stretch right you like to pretend like we don't have to but you remember the days when you could run out on the court and play four or five games and you didn't have to even warm up (laughs) now you're over by the other 40 something year olds warming up (laughs) you're like let me step over here real quick i want to pull a groin or something (laughs) hamstring Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, it's good, though. God's good. We, Lindsay and I moved into a, into a house and an, into a promise at the same time. Uh, a prophetic promise over our lives that, that God made possible. And David Wagner prophesied two or going on three years ago about this particular house that we were going to move into. And I mean, we thought it would be 10 years from, from the Word. We didn't hope it would be 10 years from the Word, but I personally in my heart was like, mm, that's going to be a little far off. You know, I just didn't, I didn't have, I wasn't looking with, with my eyes of faith. And Jesus just, you know, He empowered us to, to dream with Him as He does with us all. You know, He gives us grace to dream. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Like when I tap into it, I realize that God, God empowers me to dream with Him. Even when things don't feel very hopeful, if I'll tap into the grace of God, I can, I can get in on that, that hope that he, he, you know, the part of him that is the God of all hope, and I can begin to dream with him. And so we were able to do that, and I, I won't lie to you and say that I was real hopeful through the whole process, but I was, I was somewhat hopeful. I had a little bit. I don't know how much it was, maybe 25 or 30% uh, was hope, and, and God just fulfilled the rest. You know, he's just good. And so now we've moved in. And you know, moving in is one thing. Organizing is another. Neither Lindsay or I do very well in, uh, in chaotic, chaotic space. And by chaotic, I, disorganized is chaos to me. <laughs> I don't know what it is to you, but like, I can't do with disorder for very long in, in the house. And so we're doing our best to, to get it together. But at some point, you just got to say, it's going to be all right. 
I'm just going to go to bed till tomorrow. <laughs> you, you put stuff in a room and you shut the door. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's like, yes. Close it and you're like, ah, oh, that feels good. I'll pretend like I don't know what's in there. <laughs> oh, we're going to have some fun today. I'm going to hopefully articulate to you our place of victory that we live in in Jesus. Some of you have been around long enough in church to sing that song, Victory in Jesus. Now, <laughs> when I first came into the kingdom, that's, that, that was not super long ago. You know, it was uh, mid to late 2000s, and, and we were singing that song, a cappella, right? Victory in Jesus. It was a bunch of guys and so a bunch of tenors and not a whole lot else, but you know, it didn't sound real good, but we were real excited about Jesus and we had victory in him and I was singing about it and I didn't have a clue what it meant. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I know Jesus just saved my life. I, they said, I'm going to heaven, so I'm just going to sing. I'll sing whatever you put out here. You know, I was used to singing a whole lot of other songs, but <laughs> I've always loved music. Music's always been my go-to, my getaway, and it's sometimes probably my downfall because it pulls on your emotions and, and is, I, I had helped magnify my poor headspace at times in my poor seasons of life I was going through. And Music can either help you out of that or it can drive you deeper into that. It's amazing. And so it took me probably over the last... 10 or so years to learn, and I'm still learning all the time, what living from victory actually is. What's that look like? And so I hope to be able to paint a picture for you today, give you some, some scriptures, and, uh, and celebrate the place that we have. So, because right now we need it, don't we? I mean, all the time we need it. Every season in, in history, we have needed to know that Jesus is, ever since he paid for what, we, what humanity needed, we've always needed to know that he is our victory and not what's happening around us so that we can release that victory to other people. That's our, that's our responsibility, our privilege, our, our, our gift that we get to become to the rest of the world. So if you turn in your Bibles to, I'll start in the Old Testament and then We'll move on into the new. Uh, you're familiar with this passage in 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to start in verse 4 and just read through verse 11. I'll, I'll, get to the good, I'll get to the good part, but I want to read this part first. This is the story of David and Goliath. Y'all have heard this. It's, it's been stated in, in any decent sports movie, right? They've said it or uh, talked about David and Goliath and it's just a beautiful picture, I believe, of what's our victory and what's happening in the world today. So verse 4, 1 Samuel 17 says, let me pray real quick. Father, thank you. Thank you for, for what you've been doing in worship. Thank you that we get to be in a culture where we can be free to be us and celebrate you in the ways that we, uh, the ways that we, we feel like it, the ways that uh, help express our hearts to you. And so... Would you come in these next few moments and would you, Holy Spirit, come as the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of the Father 
that you'd give us specific revelation on what we need today, even if it's outside of what I'm talking about. We know that there anything is possible uh, when, when our faith is attached to you and when you're in the room. And so thank you for, for making possible the revelation that we need today to live from victory, <laughs> to ultimately just stare into your eyes and see your face. Clear our vision today, would you? Help us fall in love all over again with you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Amen. It says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He was, a, he was a big guy, and he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff on his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his, his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and his shield bearer went before him. I'm thinking as if he needed it, right? Then, then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I just want to stop there for a minute because this picture that's being painted of what Goliath is doing to the army of Israel is similar to what I see happening in in present time. Is that there's seemingly a giant that has come up against uh, the the family of God or against against all of, of humanity, and we could we'd say there's a there's darkness that's that's all throughout the earth and it's becoming more and more obvious all the time to to us and before the dawn of social media probably a little less obvious what was happening in the world and some of us are grateful for it and some of us may not be as grateful for it because I'm not entirely sure we were created to have this much information it coming into us at, at one time. I honestly would err on the side of saying that we weren't created to have this much information of what's happening around the world come to us all at, in the palm of our hand in moments, right? And so here in the Old Covenant, we see a, a literal battle that is taking place with a literal giant, and he's come up against the army or God's people, against the army of Israel. And he's out there and he's, he's taunting them. And he does this for 40 days. Right? He's talking trash for 40 days. Any of you that have played sports or, or like any type of competition realize that there's a little smack talking that happens. Right? Even, I mean, we, I played Football, basketball, baseball, it happens a little more, it seems like, in, in football and in basketball, even though it's in everything now. Even things that they call sports that I don't necessarily agree with that they're sports, that, that uh, they're smack talking that is happening, right? People are talking trash. We're, we're competitive 
by nature, and, and that may not be the good nature that comes from God, but it's still part of, of human nature to be competitive and, and win things. And so Goliath is out there in his competitive nature, and he is a warrior. He's one who destroys anybody that comes up against him. Just And, and what happens to the armies of Israel is that they are paying attention to what they see and to what they hear. It says that when Saul and the armies of Israel heard the things that he was saying, that they were dismayed, they were terrified. They were greatly afraid. So they're focusing in on what's in front of them and what is, is being heard from, what, from what's in front of them. So I'd propose to you that that's something similar to what's happening in, in this day and age. That it, any of us are susceptible to allowing the voice of fear... In any situation, whether it be through any news, media, person, whatever outlet, is that there's fear is at work now as much as it ever has been. You, you realize the closer this thing gets to Jesus coming back to the earth, the more prevalent and prominent fear becomes because of the enemy operates out of the kingdom of, of darkness, which is out of fear. God operates out of the kingdom of, of light, which is operated through faith, working through love, right? And so the, the enemy is spewing fear in, in using every opportunity that he can. And we're all, we're all susceptible to it. So, so David comes to the, this real, real giant, and, and most of you know the story, but I'll, I'll give you, for some of you, I just don't want to assume that you've, you've read it recently or that you remember it all. And so David comes, and he's a teenage boy, about 16 years old, and he comes, and he's actually coming to serve his brothers, but he is interested in, in what's, what's taking place. He's like a lot of men, he's a, attracted to to, to battle and into war, and he wants to know what, what his brothers are doing. He wants to know what's being said, and he overhears what Goliath is saying, and he takes it personally. Now, now David is no, he's not unfamiliar to being a warrior himself, because when you see the story, you see that David has been herding sheep, but as a sheep herder, he had to protect those sheep. So he has slain a lion and a bear, Right? He's not, he, he's not some, some kid. He, he's familiar with war, though he is young. And so when he signs up to go and fight this giant, it's laughable to everybody else. His brothers talk down to him, tell him to get out of here. Saul's like, I don't, you know, you must be crazy. I'm paraphrasing. You must be crazy. You can't go out and fight this guy. He's a man of war. In other words, saying he kills people for a living. Like, this is what he does. And you're going to go out to him. You're just a, a young man. You're a youth. And, and David reminds Saul of something that's very important. Is that, that's okay. God's, God's with me. I've slain a lion and a bear and he was with me then. That's how I did it. And so David goes out and he tries to walk in Saul's armor and it's a good lesson on trying not to walk in somebody else's shoes, just be free to be yourself and, and all that. And, 
and, and, and then David takes the armor off, and he, he goes, out against, uh, goes out against Goliath with what he would take care of the sheep with. He grabs five smooth stones, some say because there were four more giants, but it looks to me like David's mighty men killed those other giants. But he grabs five stones, puts them in his slingshot bag, and he goes and he runs out towards Goliath, Hits him in between the eyes because he's a really good shot with a slingshot. I used to love y'all have a slingshot when you were young. You shot those steel. You probably don't even let kids have those anymore. <laughs> those steel balls, those things were deadly. <laughs> We'd put anything that would fit in that slingshot. It was the one that, well, you know, you braced on your wrist. It was... It was the real deal. <laughs> so David, David goes out with something that's not as fancy as that. And he goes out and he slings. And, and some say that it, it kills. It's interesting because it's the, when the rock hits him, he falls face first. And it says that he kills him. But then David, not having a sword, grabs Goliath's sword. And he cuts his head off. And it says that he kills him again. So which time he died, I'm not sure. But I, I'm guaranteed that he died the second time. <laughs> Whether he died the first or not, I don't know. So in the old covenant, it made sense to live in a warrior mindset. You fight, you kill your opponent, or you get killed, right? That's the lifestyle that David lived. That's what he was known for. But God says something interesting to him about the temple. And he says, David, you can't, I can't have you build the temple. You've got too much blood on your hands. I've got to have Solomon build the temple. In that, I believe there's a type and shadow of what God is, is, is foreordaining or foreseeing that will happen in the new covenant. Is There's a different way that we fight now because of what Jesus did. That battle no longer looks the same because there's no more giants for me to cut the heads off of. So Jesus comes and he says, let me show you something very similar, but let me, let me show you the way that we will begin to fight now. I'll be the first example of what the new battle technique will be, and it looks like this. On the day of Calvary, he picks up his cross. He walks up, right, the hill to Golgotha, which means skull hill, because it looks like a human skull with, with eyes. And he walks up there and he allows them to put him on the cross. He lays down on the cross, allows them to pin him to that cross and kill him. But where was the cross stuck into the ground? On top of Skull Hill, right? When that cross went into the top of that hill, it was like Jesus was saying... When you get the revelation, when, when we get the revelation of the finished work at the cross, it will change your mind and cause you to see differently and will cause you to be able to live from this place that I am making possible this, this day. And so Jesus invites us into this lifestyle through, what's he say? He says, whoever wants to follow me, pick up your cross Right? And, and die to yourself. 
Dying to myself is not only denying selfish desire, but it's actually transforming my mind, embracing the truth that Jesus releases because of the finished work of the cross so that I can see the place that you and I are seated in constantly. <laughs> Look at this passage in Colossians 2.10. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation in Colossians 2.10, it says, So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature. That's good news right there, isn't it? For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to, to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. When Jesus laid down on that cross, and he breathed his last breath, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see, a, we see a very important part of what takes place in us being able to be sons and daughters for a lifetime, that Jesus was willing to become an orphan for a moment. When he took on the sin of the world, the sin of the whole world, not just your sin, not just my sin, but the whole world's sin, and broke the power of sin over all of humanity who would say yes to Jesus, who would say yes to what he did, who would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is who he says he is and that God raised him from the dead. He, he, he paid for all, all people, right? God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And so when he did that, when he breathed his last and he made it possible and the veil tore that we would no longer have to work to get to God, but we would actually come into the throne room boldly because of grace. When he did that, there were three days that lapsed before God did this, raised Jesus from the dead. During that time, Jesus went to hell, took the keys back. The authority that Adam and Eve had, had handed over had allowed themselves to be usurped out of by the devil he got that back you see it in matthew 28 all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me go therefore right it's the great co-mission the great mission that we get to cooperate with and be a part of with jesus he went down there and did that and then jesus comes back from the grave spends 40 days on planet earth walking and talking and eating with his disciples, and then he ascends to heaven. We see it in Acts chapter 1, right? <clears throat> Verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because, of your sin, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. <laughs> you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. You know, just because somebody's breathing doesn't mean they're alive. I'm only alive when I'm in Christ. Anything else is existing. Right? And you and I got the responsibility to release life to all those that are around us because we have it. It was a gift. Free. Isn't that great? <laughs> I used to work with a guy who said, free is good. It was his favorite price on everything. 
He had a lot of money too, but he just let you know if he's like free, it's good. <laughs> it's a free, it's a free gift. We were dead because of our sins and because of our sinful nature was not yet cut away. That was the nature by which it was our inheritance through Adam to live in sin. That the power of sin was dictating our daily lives, right? It was an everyday thing for me to live in sin. I didn't think twice about it, right? For lots of years, I wasn't convicted by it. There came a time when I eventually, my conscience began to be convicted, and it was around the time that I had said a prayer and, and said, invited Jesus into my life. I hadn't quite given him mine yet, but I had invited him into mine, tried to make space for him in some certain areas, and that didn't work out so well. <clears throat> so eventually I gave my life to him. But there was a nature that, that I was born into, that you were born into, that you've seen it in little kids. You don't have to, to teach them to lie or to, to bite or pinch or knock down their sister, brother, other little kid that's around them, take a toy, be selfish, not share, right? Selfishness is the root of sin, of sin, right? And so you don't have to teach a child that. You see that in their, their nature, right? We were born into that. And then Jesus came, and he made it possible for us to be born of incorruptible seed. And so when we get born again, not only does our new nature come because our sinful nature is cut away, but down to the very seed. I know we don't need to, this doesn't need to be a health class, right? Down to the very seed, we, we become brand new in our very DNA. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You're like, well, I don't feel new. That's Okay. Feeling is not believing. Believing is actually seeing what is my new nature. So what I feel like is not a good indicator of, of my inheritance or of, of my new nature or of my identity or of my inheritance in Jesus. My feelings are only ever an indicator of what I believe. We're Christians. We're not led by our feelings. I don't feel something to make a decision out of my feelings because my feelings can lie to me. I make decisions out of truth. The Bible is truth. I base my, Lindsay and I base our whole lives off of it. Every decision that we make is based on the Bible. It's the foundation of everything. And so I've, I've learned and am continually learning that my mind has to be new, that I have to believe differently so that I can begin to see differently. Because now it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. What were the armies of Israel doing? They were walking by sight. Faith wasn't in the picture except for it was sprinkled throughout the Old Testament. We see the greats that walked in in faith. Abraham being our father of faith. But as a whole, as a culture, they followed a list of rules and regulations which were law. When I am working to be good, I go by behavior, external circumstances. 
when I no longer have to work to be good and I realize that Jesus actually made me righteous, then I can focus more on what I believe versus my behavior. Now, if I have bad, bad behavior, I need to get it in check. But if I have bad behavior, it's only because I have bad beliefs and have not realized yet that I have the power to choose good behavior. It's great. It's so liberating. I can actually choose to be good. <laughs> I'm no longer powerless. Isn't that amazing? Not power. <laughs> we won't go into that. So, <clears throat> then God made us alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Verse 14, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. All the things that were against us, all the things that opposed us, all the things that made us guilty from the time of, of, from the time of birth, He nailed them to the cross with Jesus. He became a curse for us. It says in Galatians 3.13, because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so Jesus literally became the curse. So we're no longer under a curse. Isn't that good news? That's why they call it the gospel, huh? It's good news. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. Picture this. Jesus dies over 2,000 years ago on the cross, right? He, he, he breathes his last. And then three days later, he's raised from the dead. Now, we do baptism in, in water, not in the Holy Spirit. We, we, I, like, I like both, but I prefer you get both done. But if you only get one done, it'd be Holy Spirit. But we baptize people in water, which symbolizes... It's not just a prophetic act. It's actually really, really powerful and life-changing. We have a revelation of it. But it's, it's the clearest picture that I can paint for you of what, what it looks like. person goes down into the water. Baptism or baptismo means to immerse. We immerse people in water. And then we, pull, we sometimes have to help them get back up. It just depends on what kind of encounter they have <laughs> or, or how deep the water is. And we, we help them back up. And it's, it, it is symbolic of when somebody goes into the water... It's like we're going into the grave. And then when we come back up, we're actually, it's the co-resurrection with Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says that. We were co-crucified and co-resurrected with Christ. So over 2,000 years ago, it was as if the moment every one of us would accept Jesus. Track with me. That we literally died 
in that, in that moment, it was like the cross came into our yes to Jesus moment, and we got crucified with him in that moment, and then co-resurrected with him in the moment that he got resurrected. And that birthed in us a new life, which enabled us to have the mind of Christ so that we could not just go to heaven, but actually believe like Jesus. We don't want to only believe in Jesus, we want to believe like Jesus. Because when I believe like him, it changes my life. When I believe in him, it may change some things, but some of us will learn not everything. But when I believe like him, it changes my whole perspective. Ephesians 2 6 says that so when we were co-resurrected, we got seated with him in heavenly places. Because when Jesus resurrected, when he ascended to heaven, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the Father. We were Adam and I were talking about this the other day. You know, when, when God rested on the seventh day, he never actually got back up. <laughs> He wasn't just taking a day off and then he would start working again. Because Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So that was already literally done before this existed. Therefore, when God rested on the seventh day, it was showing us that everything that would ever need to be accomplished was already done. For thousands of years, it's already, we've already had victory. It took Jesus to come and actually show us the victory so that he could walk out and say, this is the new way of battle. This is what it looks like to cut off a giant's head. Forever, I will, I will bring you victory. And when you get a revelation of your union with me and realize that you're seated in heavenly places with me, you'll realize that you are undefeated for the rest of your life. You can't be beaten. You can't lose. It's impossible to be in Jesus and lose because he is the victorious one. Are you with me? Like it's, it's, it's a done deal. It's been done before you and I ever come into agreement with it. But when I have that perspective, I realize that the only thing that can make me afraid is what I see and hear and if I allow it to. Because all those voices of accusation and voices of fear and condemnation and all those things that are coming at me, love already conquered them. He already defeated them once and for all. But we actually have to believe it for it to be true for us. Just because I don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> right? <laughs> so when I believe it, it becomes true for me. And all those voices that come at me that try to make me afraid, when I see my position in Him, that I'm seated in that place of victory, and I begin to look from that perspective and see everything that's going on in my life, my family life, the world around me, when I see from that seated in heavenly places, place, you know what it does? It activates joy in my life. Because joy is not just laughter, it's actually a weapon. <laughs> People look at me like I'm crazy, like how can you laugh when times are so bad? It's because it's not my perspective. It isn't that I don't recognize or notice the things that are going wrong. Right? I would have a cave with no cell phone service 
no Wi-Fi. I was going to say newspapers, but I haven't even seen a newspaper. I don't even know how long. I know they still make them for now, but I think most people read them online. But I mean, nobody could be that oblivious to what's happening around the world. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, he wouldn't even allow a newspaper into his house. He's not going to read that and read the Word of God. He said, well, that's just, that's, that's not wise. Wise according to whose standards? He chose that he would live by the Word of God. And the only way for him, personally, in his own conviction, to be able to do that was to focus in on what the Word taught so that he could become, he didn't know it, but at least I don't think so, the apostle of faith. That's what they called him. The apostle of faith. And I don't know how many people raised from the dead. I don't know how many healings and miracles he saw. But his life of faith was viewed through the lens of the Word of God. And when I'm able to do that, so each one of us have to work out our own convictions on what that looks like. What's the voice of what seemingly is a giant in your life right now that's causing fear to be able to to shake your faith or causing fear to be able to cause you to respond or be, uh, better said, reactionary to what's happening in your personal life or in the world right now? What What is your giant? Jesus is saying to us, I've already defeated it. Now you have to choose to actually filter the things that come into your life so that you can live from faith until you get to a place that, that none of that stuff will move you. So sometimes it's like, okay, i got to take some time off from whatever it is. Stay away from this person. Not watch this. It's, it's not religion when it's a conviction that actually it's going to help me grow in faith. Not preaching that you should stop watching TV or, or watching. That's all personal convictions to you. That's between you and Holy Spirit. One of those sins that's not leading to death if you're watching something that maybe is convicting you right now. <laughs> I'm only talking about the giant of fear that's trying to taunt us currently and cause us to be reactionary. You know that when I pray from fear, it doesn't move God. I am not saying that in desperation, I can't cry out to Him and maybe I'm afraid, I'm broken, whatever it is, and I'm not in faith, that God won't, won't move on your behalf. Don't hear that. But in, in Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Right? In Hebrews eleven six. Do you know that you can be facing fear and, and live in faith at the same time? That just because I'm feeling it and maybe even experiencing it doesn't mean that I have a lack of faith. It just means that I've met opposition, that my mind needs to be renewed in that area so that I can realize once again that the victory is mine. In every place of my life that, that I'm doing that, and there's still other places that, that God is at work and transforming my mind. In every place that it happens, it activates a new level of joy in my life. You're like, my gosh, in a year, you're not even going to be able to deal with me. It's like, 
Because joy, joy empowers me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So joy becomes my weapon because it actually becomes my perspective. And when I realize that all my enemies that I face in life, I'm not saying that things won't oppose you, but I am saying that every one of them has been stripped of their authority against you. There's not an enemy that has authority against us unless he has usurped my authority and I've handed it over to him. When I come into agreement with a lie, I empower the liar. When I empower the liar, which is the devil, then I give him place in my life. That's the only way he gets place in the life of a believer. So when I begin to believe truth, less and less places he has access to in my life, right? And in this season, more than ever, God is highlighting areas in our minds so that we can begin to believe truth at higher levels. Because where we're going, we can't take some of our beliefs with us, right? There's some places that God is taking us individually and as a family, as the body of Christ as a whole, we cannot take some of the beliefs we have with us. Current beliefs will restrict me from growth in my next season or from me actually reaching new levels of my destiny. You know, there's a, a, a dear friend, uh, Jeff McClinic, started a partner with this Navy SEAL who led over 200 flawless missions in his, in, his in his life during being a Navy SEAL. Led over 200, or led 200 flawless missions, not one casualty. <clears throat> Before he was a Christian, he began to get this, what I would call revelation. He, I don't know what he called it. Maybe premonition, I'm not sure what. But that entrepreneurs that had PTSD, some form of PTSD, had trauma in their life that was deemed PTSD, that when that entrepreneur would reach a certain financial level, they would, they would level off. And that they could not break through that ceiling until they were able to find the lie that was attached to that trauma. He wasn't a believer when he figured this out. You know God inspires believers and unbelievers alike, right? <laughs> and so when they would break agreement with that particular lie, their business would take off to the next level because it broke the trauma in their life. There's some level of lies that we all still believe. And that's okay because we're coming out of it. And God is emphasizing right now in this season that we're to pay attention to what those highlighted areas are and that we're to embrace the process like never before of allowing Him to refine us into better beliefs. Because every season requires not only a new level of beliefs, but with that, a new level of joy. Because there's new levels of strength. And because those are required, new levels of hope are too. And when I begin to believe different, I begin to believe truth, I begin to embrace the fact that I have victory in every single area, even before I see it. Remember what I said, seeing's not believing. Believing is actually seen. And so you're saying, well, you want me to lie? I don't have victory in this particular area of my life. No, I just want you to embrace truth, face reality at the same time, that there's, there's 
process that I take part of and choices that I make on a daily basis of renewing my mind, setting boundaries, getting people around me that are going in the same direction, whatever that is for you, right? We say that if you want to, you want to be a giant slayer, you hang out with other giant slayers. That's why David produced mighty men that slayed giants, and they killed hundreds and hundreds, sometimes by themselves, because they hung out with David. So sometimes it's about the people that I hang out with. Right? You can, you can hang around somebody about 10, 15, 20 minutes, and if over half that time there's hopeless statements and negative information that comes out of their mouth, right? Take in as much as you can handle until you find yourself talking about the same stuff. And then you're gloom and doom, and you know, you, you walked in like this, and you walk out like they're like, oh my gosh, I have no hope. I have no joy. I have no strength. Sometimes when I'm really tired, it's not because I'm physically exhausted. It's because my hope level's been depleted, therefore my joy level's been depleted, and I can't figure out, change my diet, exercise, do all these things. It actually has nothing to do with the physical. Now, I'm not saying don't do those things. Take care of your physical body. But we're three-part beings. So take care of all three parts, not just one. With that said, don't be a Christian that, that overemphasizes just your spirituality, and you're like, well, I'm just not going to take care of anything else because I'll be spiritual. And that's all I need to do. I used to think that, right? I'd shun basic responsibilities and spend a long time in prayer. I'd be like, I'm getting revelations of the world being changed. I'm going to prophesy over nations. Right? I heard Dan McCollum say one time, he come out of prayer and, and told his wife some revelations he was getting about the nations being changed. And she said, that's great. I need you to go out and cut the grass. right? <laughs> like, take the trash out. That's great. Prof prophesy over the nations on the way to the curb with the trash can. <laughs> Head in the cloud, in the clouds, feet on the ground. What's that mean? I I'm living from this place of victory, but I also take care of practical responsibility. <laughs> Being a Christian, it should cause me to be more responsible, not less. <laughs> I value people's time more, not less. Come on. When I begin to believe different, it actually changes every area of my life. It's beautiful. If you would stand with me. As we begin to, to pray here, I, I just want to, I want to give you a couple practical things, but I also want you to in, envision something. Practically, what, what do I do? I begin to meditate on that truth that Jesus won every victory. He's undefeated. He can't lose. He never will. I'm in him. Therefore, it's the same for me. Period. It's done deal. That's why we call it the finished work of the cross. I'm in him, it's finished. Doesn't mean I won't face things. But when I embrace the truth of the word of God, when I meditate on that truth that I need in this season, 
It will help me to actually experience the reality of my position in Him in heavenly places. I'm living there now. That seated place is where we are currently. I know that that's like, you're like, uh, it can be a stretch. It's a real big stretch for the human mind, not so much for the mind of Christ. So practically, I meditate on those truths that I need in this season. I embrace the process. This year, refinement's coming at new levels. It's good. It's good. And I believe that the main way that it's coming, the way that I believe it always comes, is the renewing of our minds. He's, he's turning up the heat, so to speak. And, and if you've been in a church culture where that's a bad thing, I apologize. But that is not a bad thing. It just means that he's refining my beliefs. When he turns up the heat, it actually causes, it, it causes the process at times to be faster. He wants to expedite the process. But I get to choose how fast the process is. And so embrace the process. Meditate on truth. Allow people to speak into my life that are going in the same direction. Talk things through with them. Take captive everything that's bringing hopelessness and recognize the places that fears come into my life and the sources of that fear and face that. Deal with that however it seems fit. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And while we pray, envision Envision your place of victory, whatever that looks like for you, that you are victorious. You're the, vic- you're, you're the victorious one because you're in him, right? Envision what it looks like that you are, you are, you cannot be defeated. <laughs> you cannot be defeated. <laughs> Remember, being defeated is not a, not a feeling. Just because it looks like I lost when I'm in Jesus, it's just not true. So thank you, Father, right now for us embracing process. Thank you for helping us to meditate on truth. Thank you that you have literally slain every giant that needs to be slain, that that you've won every battle that needs to be won, that victory is ours because of you. We thank you that we get to be in this with you. Would you help us to see our seated in heavenly places position Would you help us to have the perspective that you have given us the grace to have, that you have sent Jesus for us to be able to have? Thank you that now we fight by laying down and dying to ourselves, that there's no more giants that need to be slain. We thank you for this new position of what could be called warfare. Thank you. We are grateful that you are giving us fresh perspective on this. We're grateful for the things that are squeezing us in life right now, the pressures that are causing what we truly believe to come to the surface so that we can embrace the truth of your word and that we can be refined more into your image so that we can go out and show the world that you are love. I pray every one of us would oppose everything that's affecting us, that's causing us to be reactionary outside of love. I pray that we would begin to cut those things off from our lives. 
so that we are able to follow Jesus' example and be loved to the world around us. That we lay these little lives down to allow people to run across us as a bridge into your heart, Father. That we make it our mission in life to connect people to your heart on a daily basis, whatever that looks like for us individually. But I know it looks like us being loved to everyone. And so, Father, thank you that as we embrace this victory that we have, that it's going to help us release love. That it's going to help us to activate deeper levels of joy in our life. I pray that every person watching, every person that's here, will begin to experience that love and that joy right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you minister that to everybody? Would you, you pour out fresh love in, in every heart? Would you baptize people in love? Would you release joy upon people? Would the oil of joy come and begin to saturate every single person? Yeah. Every single person. I thank you that we were all created to be loved and to love. I think we, thank you that we were all created to be joyful thank you thank you thank you thank you pray right now the overwhelmed feeling that some people have would just be washed away by your love that that feeling of being defeated would be replaced with an injection of hope. Empower us, Lord, by your grace again. Help us to see everything that's happening from your perspective, the place you've given us in you. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Just begin to thank him for what he's doing in your life. If you would, just begin to thank him. He is at work. The enemy would love for us just to focus on the things that aren't happening or the things that went wrong or the things that haven't happened. But thankfulness actually expands the kingdom. What I mean by that is it begins to leak over into other areas where we feel like we're defeated. It begins to leak over into other areas where we may not have hope. It begins to leak over into other relationships and we begin to be empowered by thankfulness because the kingdom is expanding into every area of our minds. And so thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing in these, in us, as a family. Thank you for everything that you have paid for us to be able to believe like you, not only in you, Thank you for the grace to do all this. We're so grateful. I bless what you're doing in every person's life right now. Wherever they're at, whatever season they're in, whatever part of the process they're in, I thank you, Jesus, that you don't leave us in the process, that you walk through fire with us at times. Water, fire, whatever season we're in, carry us sometimes when it's necessary. You're always there pray that we're able to thank you not just with our words but with our lives. 
by going out and loving the next person that's in front of us. Family, friends, strangers. Help us to focus in on the love that we carry and has been deposited in us to see the world changed around us. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Prayer team, if you guys want to come. Thanks, Jesus. We got people up here that want to pray for you for whatever you got going on. You got you need physical healing. You need emotional healing. You need whatever it is. You just need somebody to partner with you in prayer. We got people up here that want to pray with you. Want to bless you. <laughs> Thanks online for joining us. We bless you guys. Anything that you need, Jesus is right there with you. You need healing. We release it right now. You need peace. Jesus has got you. Whatever you need right now, we miss you guys. Can't wait till some of you can get back in the in the building. Bless you right where you're at. Yeah, for the rest of we just we're grateful. Whether you're online or you're in the room, we're just grateful that we get to be in this with you. We just want to remind you this isn't church on Sundays only for us. This is life every day. We preach it because it's our lives. Doesn't mean we got it all figured out. It just means that we're moving forward even when we don't understand. We're embracing what he paid for. So we bless you guys and we love you. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.